That's my uh, compadre, my ombre, my uh, Sierra del Fuego, am all I, kinds of great, am great uh, Espanols. Am I a good ombre? You think President Trump would consider me a good ombre, even though I'm Mexican? I'm really going to have to think about that. I don't, I don't trust him. I don't <laughs> trust him to... Uh, I don't know, were you born in the United States? I was born in the United States, but I assume this motherfucker is still one of those guys that still abides by the old Jim Crow one-drop rule. The <laughs> <laughs> one-drop rule? Is, uh, was your, is your dad, he was born in the United States, right? Your mom yeah, and dad? Yeah, I'm third. Uh, mom is uh, quarter Apache, Spanish, and Mexican. Well, and then that's it, man. Fuck, fuck, uh, you know... Trump may be our president, but fuck that guy, seriously, because uh, your mom is more native than he is, so get him to f- shut the fuck up about it and don't worry about it. At least she's my mom Apache. doesn't. Yep. She's, uh, she's been here a lot longer, and so is, so is your whole family. No, I'm not bothered by his hatred. It just, it, I, it's just such a polarizing subject, but at the same time, though, I really want to talk about how I have not been able to get out Bugs Bunny making those two fucking feuding rednecks... Uh, square dance and beat the shit out of each other I, I, <laughs> I stumbled on on YouTube and I remember it and it has been trapped in my head for two weeks straight and I'm not sure if it, it's driving me mad or I just really enjoy that song you know and he like like there he's pretending to be the girl bunny and then it, someone pointed out to me today that like Bugs Bunny it was just the world's best professional asshole I never thought of him as uh, an yeah, asshole. Kinda. <laughs> never thought of him as an asshole, and he's like sashay around, around the door, <laughs> like like uh, stick your fingers in his eye, and like they're like you pull my beard off <laughs> yours, and like they're just beating the shit out of each other. And they don't know it. And the funny thing was, because <laughs> I spent three years in Alabama, uh, part of our, the PE um, uh, physical education uh, mm-hmm. in third and fourth grade and fifth grade when I was there. And sixth grade, too, was you had to, uh, in PE, they teach you how to square dance. And they'd make you do it. And I really? I hated it. And, of course, our, our coaches were the biggest, fattest sacks of shit teaching fucking PE out in the blacktop. Coach would always have to, like, pull, pull his shorts up so they didn't, like, break when, when he'd, like, you know, demonstrate what stretches we had to do and... And then the other one, like, when I complained too much about square dancing, she pulled me into her office. And this woman, I shit you not, I'll never forget it, while she's talking to me and showing me, like, you know, this is the curriculum, this is what I have to teach, all I could look at was uh, a giant freezer bag filled with what I assume was an entire bag of EL fudge cookies 
which A, I wanted one, and B, I knew this bitch was going to finish it off by the, <laughs> the end of the day. That's all I could think about. And I'm sorry, I'm, we were talking about trying to wrangle things in, and I'm talking about the stupidest <laughs> shit. I don't, uh, I don't know much about all that. No, <clears throat> no. We got Never square danced that I'm uh, aware of. I definitely line danced. Um, it's Oklahoma, after all. You can do it. It can be done. It's got its moments. It does have its moments. Anyway. You just got to make sure you get to the hot blonde chicks before they blow up when they turn 25. Shit. I'm going to say <laughs> that uh, I... Uh, no diss, seriously, people, but I literally did see that happen, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's as much as I'm going to say about that. Yeah, that's... Um, we, we still love yeah. Oklahoma. Sorry, sorry, ladies, but... just don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, seriously. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings either, but I'm coming from a disgusting mental point of view from a shitty day it, was a, it sounded like a rough day yeah it's alright yeah. how was your day brother how was your week um what what day is it uh is it is it Tuesday it's Monday it's Monday I uh yeah the weekend was interesting I mean I went and I got a couch and well it's a, it's a stupid story so my you know I had my boy over and we were like oh hey you know maybe we're gonna go get this couch and he's like oh cool then you'll have a couch because he's really excited about everything, and I think he just loves that I live here now, and he loves that I have a place that's right it's two miles from him. And uh, so we, um, it's 6 o'clock on a Sunday night, and I'm like, where am I going to get a trailer? This is stupid. And this is, I might be an idiot, but this is a used couch, right? Yeah. Um, but I read the thing, and it said, oh, yeah, this couch has been in a model home since 2009. And I'm like, well, then a bunch of people have sat on it, but nobody's doing anything weird on a model home. So that couch is probably in pretty good shape. And then, you know, yeah, it's been in our, our possession for six months. I'm like, okay, no big deal. They're moving. They're getting rid of this thing. So we race over to the Home Depot, and thank you, Home Depot. You guys are working on Sundays. And uh, I rented a trailer. It was nothing. It didn't cost hardly anything. We drove, Luca and I drove across town, found this place. These people were loading the couch back up into their house because they were like, I don't know what we're going to do, and they needed rid of it today. And I get there, and I help them on the staircase, and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, this is that couch I called you guys about. And they're like, oh, okay, great. So we throw that thing on there, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, this is a really nice couch. It's, it's like suede. It could be microfiber. It's microfiber. And uh, it's, like, bone-colored, and it's got uh, multicolored cushions and stuff like that. I'm like, this is nice. It looks looks good and clean. And then I see the cushions come off and pet fur, and I'm like, uh-oh. And I'm going, I'll vacuum that. I can clean this. And then I'm like, this smells terrible. I started to realize I, I bought a very nice-looking but not good-smelling couch. So I... Got this thing back to my house. I had this whole thing go on where I tried to get it in the place. I had some neighbors who helped me out. And then they were really excited because I had, like, Star Wars stuff in the place and because I had a Team Mystic uh, sticker on my truck. And uh, we get this thing in, and I'm like, I got to clean this thing. So I've been work. I, I got, like, we got cut from work halfway through the day. I spent the rest of the afternoon watching Deep Space Nine episodes and uh, nice. cleaning the exterior of this couch, and it is really working. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm probably... Because it's, it's not that it's giant. It's not... This is the problem. It's not that it's... It's not too big for my space, but it's not big enough for me because I'm 6'3". And I want a couch I can completely stretch out on. So 
I don't know, you know, I didn't pay hardly anything. I'm going to clean this thing up. I'm going to relist it, and I'm going to try to get more for it, because why the hell not? It's yeah, so stupid. It. The amount of couches that I see online right now are going for hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and I'm just, it doesn't make any sense. And they're advertising them for hundreds and hundreds of dollars with holes and scratches and all kinds of issues, and I'm like, if I clean this thing up properly... You know, this is either going to be something I want or not. But I'm probably, I don't know, I'm, I've washed all these pillows and got them hanging outside in the 90-degree uh, weather at middle of night here. But who knows? We'll see. It's just a dumb situation. That's my stupid couch story. Very not, not exciting compared to the uh, comic books we got to review this week. I agree. But one thing, though, if you're concerned about anyone doing anything uh, nasty on them, it would be the uh, uh, property managers of the apartments. <laughs> pretty uh pretty good point yeah i know for a fact mm. that they use those uh they use those model rooms for uh other purposes <laughs> and if you're in oklahoma yeah i'm getting rid of this couch for sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, uh, honestly I, I i a mutual friend of ours that uh you and i have talked about recently she uh, she sent me a message about where she is right now, and I was like, oh, yeah, I was moving this couch. She was like, I just bought a brand-new couch. It only costs this much. If you put this much down, you can pay it off in six months. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. This is this is nothing. Like, a $300 couch, a $400, doesn't matter. I mean, if you can pay everything down, it's like anything else. Right. But uh, it's just another payment that only has to last a very short time. Speaking of payments, like, yeah. I'm so stoked. Uh hmm? Remember when the ex had to nix the ex off of the uh, phone plan and they had to keep paying, oh God. paying for an yeah. iPhone, Beats Beats headphones and shit? That it's over. <laughs> it's all over. It's paid off. It's done. Oh, it's done. <laughs> Man. Anyway. Yeah. Good. Good. I can. Uh... Yeah, we'll take this conversation offline later. Yeah. Exactly. But we, <laughs> anyway, we got some comics and I got the list. It's a. It's a we do have a list. This is a juicy list. This is a really comprehensive list of shit that rocked this week, or last week. It's Yeah, some of it's definitely better than others on my end. I've got stuff that I haven't got to finish reading yet, and I'm, I'm still cleaning this couch, so I actually have some place I want to sit down and read. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a whole thing. But um, not, not really the best excuse. Thanos number four by Marvel Comics. Yeah, yeah. Tony. That's one that I've got on uh, my pull list, so as that comes out, I have a physical copy of it. Yeah. Nevertheless, I haven't been able to make it home to pick up my books, so I went ahead and read this one on a website, and uh, I was so d irritated with the amount of pop-up ads, I got to the point where I was like, this is over. Well, All right. at, least you paid for, <clears throat> at least you paid for the digital. It was a little bit cheaper than... Uh buying the physical copy but you're gonna get the free download with oh i'm still i still buy the issue one way or the other yeah but anyway i mean i pick you know i can't just i think that's a kind of a thing everybody a lot of people are doing right now yep but yeah but yeah uh it's definitely an expensive habit that we've got but it's worth it and hope our readers dig it and hope hopefully oh, we've no. directed them to some good things that they wouldn't normally have bought or risked the money for <laughs> oh well for real yeah at the very least if we haven't liked something we're just like yeah this is not so good mm -hmm. uh but like yeah when it comes right down to it's the same business guys i mean you're 
you're you're buying books from your local stores and you're trying to you know you know you're helping those guys out at the very least you know if you're trying to find an issue you can't get a hold of there are multiple stores in a lot of places and if you live in a place where you can't get them for one reason or another i mean they'll they'll order them for you yeah but in this instance, I was like, no, I need to read this so we could talk about it. And then I was like, I'll, I'm, you know, it's not like I'm not paying for my book or anything. Right. And we've anyway. got Tony Stark, Iron Man number 14, Symbiote Spider-Man mm-hmm. number 3 and 4, Rick and Morty number 52 by Oni. That was pretty cool. I didn't realize they, were, yeah, they had this imprint. Yeah. Uh, Gunning for Hits 1 and 2 from Image. Those are a little bit dated, but you just got your hands on those. Ice Cream Man number 13, Paper Girls number 30. The Batman Who Laughs, number seven. Death's Head, number one. And The Beauty, number 28. What do you want to start off with? Um, let me knock out this Iron Man real quick. Uh, it's it's following... Let's see, yeah. It's still Dan Slott, and it's... Uh, let me go back in here to the front page, and I'll... Valero Shikti. I'm, I'm going to totally butcher this. The artist is Valero... S-C-H-I-T-I. So I want everybody to think about what that turns into yeah. and make your own judgment on how to say that. Uh, Edgar Delgado, colorist, which uh, it looked gorgeous. Seriously, the artwork in this book is absolutely, what is it, frenetic? Is that the right word? It is just, oh my gosh, there's so much to look at in every panel. There's really no consistency as to how big the panels are going to be or how they're going to be presented. Right. It is, it is such a flow of consciousness appearance. Uh, and uh, we got uh, VC's Joe Carm- Carminga, who is uh, lettering this. Still got to talk to that guy. Mm-hmm. I hear he likes wrestling. Um, so, yeah, you get this whole business going on in here where this is clearly falling after War of the Realms. Which is kind of nice because at least they're paying attention to this enormous thing that just happened, and that's usually a complaint that big deals don't seem to make it into every other book. But Tony Stark's got the same problems. He's running Stark, uh, his start, his company, and he's got competing companies like Baintronics, and um, he realized that he's not Tony Stark. He's a he is a more or less a computer simulation of Tony Stark in the real world somehow or another. So he's still a physical being, but he's not actually Tony Stark. And he had uh, rewritten, or he had, he had, um, he, he, in the midst of the situation that happened before War of the King, War of the Realms, rather, he, uh, he was stuck in his AI fantasy world that everybody in the world had. So instead of having like a PlayStation, everybody's connected to it, they all got a, Iron Man mask, and when you stuck it on your face, you could be anywhere in this AI world you wanted to be. It's kind of awesome, kind of a cool idea, but at the same time, I just don't see that being a platform that would just take over the entire market. But for the sake of argument, you know, hey, here you go. Uh, And, um, of course, the controller then controlled everybody, and it turned into a giant thing, kind of like that recent Spider-Man situation we had where you had all the uh, uh, Kraven bots. But the whole situation came to a conclusion, and now it's like, hey, here's the fallout. How do we repair the company? What do we do next? There are AI rights, artificial intelligent rights situations going on with Machine Man and Jocasta in particular. And um, 
Uh, and then there's all of these other like AI characters that I'm going, are these people presented from other stories? Are these real characters or are they made up for this? Because they, they don't have any intro. They just kind of are there. And I'm going, okay, I would really like to know how many autonomous, sentient, artificial intelligent beings are running around in the Marvel Universe because that's like an entire thing that unto itself could be the, the mutant problem or the uh, or Hydra or something like what's the next big messy thing that they, everybody would have to be dealing with and dealing with legislation so it suddenly turns into a question it, in my head is like is Tony an AI now and if that's the case what does he have in common with humanity except for his uh, gross total accumulation of experiences making him like no I'm more human than robot no maybe he's not maybe he is an AI completely and uh, I think the, 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 the most telling thing to, in this issue was the fact that he was running around with Ms. Marvel uh, but they hate, Marvel they hate each other yeah but they don't uh. they hate each other in a certain way but they also don't hate each other and the whole deal in this from page one is that this goes way, way back to, like, 2000 in Iron Man books, way back. Um, I read the, uh, the Eighth Day storyline, which was a cross-title promotional back then, and it meant nothing. It, didn't, it had all these things to do with these avatars of, like, Sidorak and Icon and Faltine and uh, whatever, all of the different beings that Doctor Strange calls down powers. Sounds exhausting. It was a mess of a story. It's, it's a real mess. And um, in that story, you had Ms. Marvel flying around, kicking ass, but she was drunk. Really? So, Tony, Tony is Captain Marvel's accountability partner because they both had a drinking problem. Yeah. But if you weren't reading things that pertained to uh, her character back in the 90s and in the 2000s, no one would know this. So... Uh, Tony is upset with himself because in the AI, um, the uh, the controller forced him to take a drink. And it really, it might not have been him, it might not even really be Tony, but it bothered him enough that he wrote out, he like rewrote his history, erased a few days or whatever so that he wouldn't feel like that. So now he's punishing himself for it. There's so much guilt and like, just there's so much so much like personal negativity in this issue that they have to get over and it was really impressive that for all this is like a fraction of what's going on in this issue well, well, and to, when you finally get down to the end well, before you, it was, before you get to it the was end. amazing that they were like no we have to live with who we are and that's that no well that's that mm -hmm. yeah i shouldn't have interrupted you i apologize because that's what i was going to get to is that uh Alcoholics. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you not hear me? Can you hear me? Oh, it's all right. Yeah, I'm here, man. Um, alcoholics live with a lot of guilt, dude, and it's hard for them to, like, forgive themselves. Uh, we're having some technical issues. All right, hold on. We'll stop it. Yeah. Oh, I bet. Yeah. I... All right, stop. Stop. Oh, don't stop it. Let's just... Uh... All right, do a clap for sync. Like, you want me to stop recording? No, do a clap for sync. Oh, okay, that's a good idea. Okay, we're going to do this, and it's going to be it's gonna be at 19 minutes and 15 seconds now. 
Yeah, well, I mean, what I wanted to talk about was... I left my running. Yeah, I do too. Uh, what I wanted to talk about was uh-huh. that alcoholics live with a lot of guilt, and it's basically continuing a cycle to try not to remember it, and forgiving yourself is one of the hardest fucking things in the world. And I think that's one of the things that's always fueled the Tony character since the when they really made him the alcoholic that he was, and I'm having to face that uh-huh. with Miss Marvel. And there was a really good... The last issue of Avengers, not the recent one from last week, uh, it was one of the, the you get like once a year where they just got back from battle and everything's okay. And they're hanging mm-hmm. out. It's Thor and Tony hanging out in the, because the new Avengers headquarters is inside the Dead Celestial, the one that created life here on Earth, uh, Well, was along with the Eternals' help responsible for the life on Earth. And they're just chilling in the hot tub, and they're talking about girls. <laughs> they're, they're, they're having some mead. <coughs> uh, Cap cool. shows up, yeah. wants to talk business, and they're like, come on, dude, just get in the hot tub. And he eventually gets in there, and, and then She-Hulk and uh, Blade, who are oddly flirting... Uh, Blade takes off, and <laughs> and then she decides to get in the hot tub too, and she just get everyone just buck ass naked, and like Cap, get in! Like I don't have a swimsuit, and they're like neither do we. <laughs> and Miss uh, <laughs> Marvel's hanging out with uh, Ghost Rider, or Captain Marvel, and um, hanging out with Ghost mm-hmm. Rider, and they're going fishing for some big game, and uh, they they show up, and everyone's in the hot tub, and. Uh, Carol gets in the hot tub and no one's being weird. Everyone's just buck naked and Hulk's complaining that it's not hot enough and Ghost Rider gets in and turns the heat up. And <laughs> she's talking about how uh, she'd never imagine hanging out with Tony Stark like that. What? Captain Marvel? Yeah. Yeah. Just Dude, if you go back to what? Like, if you go back to Captain... What is it? If you go back to Iron Man... Um, when he was director of S.H.I.E.L.D., back in, like, when Frank Cho... Or no, I'm sorry, was it Frank Cho? It was either Frank Cho or it was Terry and Rachel Dodson, because it was Cheesecake Illustrations. Um, I mean, Tony you can and, You can tell that they hooked up. Well, yeah, I remember I that, mean, but just real quick, you can tell the difference between Frank Cho... Uh, between Cho and uh, Terry Dodson from the eyes, uh, Terry yeah. Terry and Rachel always do the same eyes, but Cho incorporates a shit ton of stippling and cross hatching into his into his um, into his drawings. It's very if you pay attention, yeah. There's, there's not a lot of uh, solid lines with just flat shading. It's it's a lot of intricate cross. Uh, Cross hatching and, and, and stippling and uh, but yeah like uh, that what you you're t- talking about is intriguing to flip the switch like that where he's the accountability buddy or the sponsor and wondering whether or not he's sentient or AI that's don't you think that might it was be the a ton of material right but don't you think that might be the the next logical step in the evolution of Tony Stark or just because you've got to keep the characters fresh and evolving I, at all times. I'm surprised after all these years that a lot of these books can still run. Like, you go back and look at Superman or something and it's like, 
Yeah. It's still the same thing. He's still invulnerable. He's still... Yeah. But then you get into, like, you know, these people who aren't gods in Marvel, and it's just like, I can't believe this is still working. Like, it still works. The Hulk still works. Now everybody's a Hulk. Now everybody's not a Hulk. You know, you never know. But, like, Iron Man, yeah. Like, how much of him is real anymore? That's fascinating. And they're leading up to this whole thing with uh, Arnold Stark, uh, who is now his brother rather than his nephew or something like that from when we were reading the 2020 books. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm fascinated to see if, you know, they'll eventually find a way to bring Tony back, I guess. But, yeah, we're, we're talking about their animosity coming from Civil War Two, which was a cash grab. But, um... You know, hey, there you go. I mean, that was this is a book that's packed, and I'm only I probably only talked about sixty percent of it, and I didn't talk about any of the action that happens in it. So was the action well placed? It wasn't just like ten whole pages of fighting. Um, it was like okay, yeah, here's this whole action going on over here, but let's jump out of that and go over here and talk to uh, uh, like Tony is dating the Wasp, Janet Van Dyne. And uh, Janet and uh, Jocasta are shopping, and then it's like they have a they they have a misunderstanding, and Jocasta walks off, and then boom, we're back over here, and we're in the fight again, and it's just like all of this strange stuff that happens co- concurrently, just just odd. That's the sort of stuff I appreciate, man. Uh, every now and then, you you need just uh, let them show them happy for a brief moment when they're not worried. About oh, I know. And yeah. yeah, dude, that's what I appreciated about X Men comics in the '90s. It was like, yeah, this is us hanging out, and Beast and Iceman are over there having something to eat, and Wolverine's watching TV in the background, drinking and a beer. Scott's playing pool with Nightcrawler, and whatever. Or you know, you get those wacky Jim Lee gatefolds of everybody hanging out at the pool. You read my mind. Some craziness. You read my yeah. mind. That's one of my the one of the reasons I've bought so many. Uh, copies of x-men number one is to get a new get a new print of that <laughs> i uh totally can't ever forget psylocke forefront and once again you read my mind sunbathing once again you, <laughs> it was like once again you read oh, my mind. that came out right right when i was like it was you know i don't know Thirteen, twelve, uh, old enough. It was all, all very apparent to me suddenly what i was looking he's at he's got a thing for drawing psylocke man Oh, yeah, totally. He's got a totally. big thing for John Psylocke. Mm. I remember always wor- worrying I wasn't pronouncing her name correctly and waiting for her to show up in the cartoon. Uh, I don't think I ever Did got far enough in the cartoon because the animation got so shitty in, like, episode, in, like, season four and five. Uh, I watched a whole thing about that uh, last year. I'm going to I'm gonna have to see if I can find it. There's a really great video I watched on YouTube about the X-Men cartoon series mm-hmm. and the... Uh, the uh, complications they ran into after a certain point but um they couldn't yeah. make them it fast frustrated. they couldn't I, re- I remember catching that show and being like i've seen the same like season ender once or twice now and that's the only episode i've ever seen of it and then eventually it would be on at a consistent time and i'd catch it i don't know like 6 30 a.m or something yeah but uh yeah i don't know I mean, it was a good show. It was a good show. It had its moments. I'm interested in your Rick and Morty. Cause I, cause yeah, man. I don't, um, I don't like that cartoon. Interesting. Interesting. I, it's, uh, 
We'll get into that. I mean, I just picked this up thinking, you know, I need something indie for sure. Something I have not read before. And uh, what is this? This is the newest one. This is the July issue, number 52. Um, this is an Oni press book, which I'm... What a coup to get this license for real. Right. When you, when you brought that up, it reminded uh -huh. me of how Topps Comics somehow got the X-Files in print. Oh, yeah. Did they do it any justice? Oh, of course they did it. Well, when I was a kid, I wasn't old enough to appreciate the art. Uh, uh -huh. Charles Adler did it, but uh, did... Oh, no kidding. Yeah, Adler did that. I think he did almost the entire run. Uh, <laughs> thank you, uh, Atomic Pop, that used to exist in Norman, that had the entire fucking collection. And every week <laughs> when I went in to buy my fresh new comics, I bought... I just kept buying them one issue at a time. And now I've got the entire Topps prone. But, but like, the thing was is no one gave a shit about Topps back then because it wasn't Marvel or DC or even barely Image. But then, remember, like, reading Wizard, like, for, like, an entire two years, uh, X-Files was <laughs> consistently yeah. in their top ten of comics that you have to have and people trying to sell it for, like, hundreds of dollars. And, uh, yeah, I got it for 20 <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing like Wizard half editions or, or issues or whatever. In, oh, I've got uh, I've got two of them. Like, I've got two of them, and I've got ah. a, I've got the negative one, negative two, negative three, zero. Uh, all the digest. There's three issues of the digest. Um, but do you have the X issue? The X issue. <laughs> I'm just hiding those. Sorry, that was dumb. <laughs> that was my dad joke for the day. <laughs> I've got the all the IDW ones. Uh, 50 Days of Night or whatever the hell it was in the vampire one. It was stupid. <laughs> but I bought it anyway. Oh, man. And Having then, them go investigate that would kick ass. It, it was all right. It, Dude, the, I'm going to say one more wacky thing and then get back to this book. But, like, on that note, I remember watching Seven and then watching Jennifer Eight and, not and like, not thinking they were, uh, you know, a sequel or something like that. But somehow or another, I really felt the atmosphere of both of those movies were similar. Right. And I wanted very much to see uh, Morgan Freeman's character Somerset show up in another movie with Andy Garcia's character in Jennifer Eight. I don't know why. Oh, he would I have been really wanted. He that. would have been perfect to perpetuate like Jack Ryan. Oh yeah. Maybe, maybe like not as you know, oversaturated, like, once every five, six years where you really get, you know, some meat and potatoes. But uh, I can answer that question. The intro for Seven, uh, a lot of people don't know that the music playing, if you can call it music, was a really obscure remix of Closer by Nine Inch Nails because David Fincher was a huge Nine Inch Nails fan. But that, mm -hmm. that I want to call it animation when, you, like, the, the broken film and then overlayers and double exposures... You remember around, like, 94, actually, because that was the same type artwork that they did in Antichrist Superstar within the... Manson's Antichrist Superstar within the pages. And then they started doing that in every Spawn comic book and every Dark-type comic where there was a lot of negative area and then overlays and double exposures. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, the movie you're talking about, as well as Seven, had a lot of that same signature art, but the first time I saw it was Seven. Right on. The first time I saw it was seven. It was like if you if if you guys are listening and, and are old school Spawn fans, uh, around that time all of like the Spawn graphic novels, which unfortunately were always just six issues, um, 
all had those covers, all, all that same style, in, that same style artwork, and I, I kind of miss it. I really liked it. It made it look dirty. I, I, I dig hmm. that sort of stuff. But yeah, back to Rick and Morty. I'm sorry. Oh, I mean, uh, let's see. Wait, we got an, We got two stories in this book called uh, one's called the Mortian, and the other one's called Inter- Inter- Introducing Glutie. And I haven't seen any of the new season. People, like, I, I brought this book to the counter, and the kid was just like, oh, are you waiting for the new season? Oh, my God, I'm so excited. And I'm like, okay, yeah, hold on, dude. Uh, and I've seen advertisements incorporating this character, Glutie. So good good prescient time timing on this one. Uh, this is, uh, we, got, we got two issues. They're written by, or two stories written by Kyle Starks. And then we've got uh, illustration in the first one by Phil Murphy and colored by Sarah Stern and lettered by Crank nice. with an exclamation point. And then uh, the Glutie issue, or Glutie story also, Kyle Starks, illustrated by Mark Ellerby, which consequently had a more Rick and Morty TV series like look. Uh, and then uh, colored by Sarah Stern and lettered by. Crank! Whatever that is. So, uh, I mean, you know, it's interesting. It's it, very surreal. It's It makes me think of heavy metal for some reason. Uh, this, I, I, and I gotta say, I, I don't know what's been going on in this book, but Morty Crash lands on a planet out of an escape pod, and I don't know if this happened in the previous issue that he got away from something or whatever, but he's trying to... He's freaking out like Morty does, and he uh, encounters some little cyclopean aliens, and they're friendly to him, and then these birds fly out of the sky and keep taking him away. Just one awful thing happening to him after the next, as you would expect. He eventually gets chased by some kind of alien alligator. He gets rescued by some alien warthog hillbilly, complete with trucker hat and wife beater. Right. And then uh, gets chained to a giant slug. And uh, it's just one thing after the next. But to a certain point, I'm like, okay, how much more can Morty go through? And then he gets to a crazy little village, like, uh, filled with scantily clad women who are apparently going to copulate with him. And uh, he's excited about that. And, of course, Rick going to show up and escape with him like no i'm taking you away this isn't something that needs to happen i'm rescuing you from the peril (laughs) exactly and that's that's the crazy thing because you know that rick and morty escape this situation but what's crazy is that the introducing glutey story happens on the next page it starts on the next page but there's no transition at all i just figure that they walked right through the portal and boom, there they are in the garage and the garage is full of gnomes that are biting them and stuff like that. And I'm like, what the hell is this all about? Is this left over from their previous adventure or something? And uh, Rick goes down to the basement and he starts talking. He doesn't want to talk to Glutey, who is this uh, quad-eyed alien-looking dude who's there to clean the place, and he's got a tattoo on his forehead that says, uh, do not develop my app. (laughs) And that's all he wants to talk about. And this was the funny part. Like, I'm reading this, and I'm just like, why does Rick have anything around that annoys the shit out of him? Uh, You know, he's got his family. He got rid of Jerry for a while. 
Uh, you know, I, it looks like they kind of got their act back together. But it's just one awful thing after the next happening to these characters, except for Rick, because Rick is the only guy that's smart enough to, uh, to know what's what about anything. So, I mean, honestly, if you're a Rick and Morty fan, I think this comic book is something you could pick up when you just don't feel like there's enough Rick and Morty. Or if you're tired of being stoned and snacking and watching the same Rick and Morty over and over and over again, here's more Rick and Morty content that's not some wacky Lego set or some dumbass pickle on a... Whatever. I mean, there's so much Rick and Morty content, or, or material now, just product, and... uh that's why I'm like, straying away from it. Yeah, maybe maybe seven percent of the Rick and Morty stuff that's out there is worth anything. But the comic book, since it is was it story and character and circumstance and situation, totally totally that. I think that's within that seven percent. Was it funny? It was funny. When it got to that gluty thing, I was laughing. The rest of the time I was like this is happening, it's happening, and it's happening, and whatever, and this is, this is a, it's very Rick and Morty, but, uh, Rick and Morty isn't always funny, then it becomes funny, and then you look back at the whole thing, and you're like, ah, that was funny. You know what I mean? I do, I do, but, uh... So what is it that you're not into about it? It just, every episode I've tried to watch was just, like, I'm tired of shithead, shitty, shitty animation. Oh, dude, I know I said the same thing. Uh, that That's why I couldn't look at Adventure Time, and then I started watching it, and I was like, oh, man, I, I mean, the animation is not what I give a shit about here. This The the story, the characters are so cool. Yeah, but, uh, I, but got, I know, dude. I got tired uh. of that in the early 2000s and late 90s with yeah. uh, everything that was on, uh, not Adult Swim, but on Cartoon Network when, like, Two Stupid Dogs and... Um, Dexter came out. I, I don't want to say the animation was shitty, but it was certainly lazy. But the like Dexter's Laboratory, I yep. like the last time I laughed consistently through any cartoon like that was Looney Tunes. And I can still laugh Man. through Looney Tunes, but at the same time, though Looney Tunes at least had amazing artwork, and then it became this thing like it doesn't matter if it looks like shit, just get it out there and. If it's funny, oh, because everybody's like, no, it's stylized. Yeah, it isn't stylized. No, no, it's, it's not. If this is the con, like, what is what is it? There's the, I don't know. There are so many cartoons that all look alike, because they all don't look like anything, and I'm like, that's why I think the Venture Brothers is my favorite cartoon ever. Now I'm gonna say that South Park is the best cartoon show that has ever been on television. I am sick of The Simpsons. I love G.I. Joe. I love uh, Matt Cross and Robotech. But, yeah. like, The Venture Brothers... It's good. It is, I mean, it's yeah, good it's art. A sh it is awesome in every way to me. Like, yeah, they take their time. They do it right. I just got their new season. I got it on DVD. I need to sit down and watch it. There's a lot of stuff I'm looking forward to watching when I've got someplace comfortable to sit and watch it. But, well, you uh, got your... Uh... Got my property piss manager. Couch. You got your property manager stained, uh, hopefully not lice or bug bed infested couch. No, nah, I don't think so. I think God what knows. it is is it's, it's animals that like to uh, go outside and not wipe their asses, and so they smell like pee all the time. Speaking of stylized, uh, I, I was, clean the I shit this... out of it, guys. I'm gonna tell you when it works. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> no. Speaking of stylized versus 
uh, actually stylized as opposed to just falling into a lump group of shitty animation. I was when you said Oni, I was like, I swear Sony made um Oni made this, but no, Slade Labor Graphics. One of my favorite comics of all time is Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, and jo- oh, yeah. Jonah Vasquez. This was stylized. I've seen some of his art. It's not the best, but it's it's not shitty for the sake of shitty. And God, this okay. comic was funny, and the, he would get into like really bad, like when he did Happy Noodle Boy and stuff, and then he would do better paintings for the covers. And okay, we know what you you know what you're doing. And then the, yeah, they they had a little remember like in the early two thousands that like goth comic resurgence that you could get at Hot Topic, like Len- yeah. like Lenore, Lenore, and to a greater extent uh, Umbrella Academy, which was lumped in that but right in no way <laughs> no way equivalent much much more superior but these old school goth comics from the 2000s still blow me away like I'm, I, I think Roman Dirge is going to start doing Lenore again if I'm not mistaken and they're just fun that they are what they are but it's not like you're not going to see like a, a, a pickle Lenore on every other asshole that you walk <laughs> that you walk past at a at a comic convention not that I'm shitting on you enjoy your pickle Rick I, I watched that. It was stupid. It wasn't funny. But I'm glad you liked it. And then I think back to one of the things I wanted to say when we were talking about Monty Python last week was John Cleese had the best idea of what comedy is. He's like, people come up to me and be like, oh my God, that was so funny. And, and he would be like, but you guys weren't laughing. If they're not laughing, it's not funny. You, like, you know when you're... In a, like, he, and he pointed out that, that thing in, in, in conversation when... You're talking to someone and like you say, "Hey, what's up?" And you're like, "What's up?" And like you're not asking them what's up. That's just a a question that is actually just a statement. Yeah. Um, oh, that's so funny, but you're not laughing, and I'm not laughing in Rick and Morty. I understand. I think there's times when I have laughed, and then there's other times where where I'm like, I mean, the, the, I don't know. I mean. It's a show with interesting situations, and I do laugh about some stuff. I like the uh, episode with all the Ricks, and they're trying to get home, and there's the whole uh, Mexican standoff, uh, not not to give you a hard time or anything. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, see, that was supposed to be funny, but you didn't laugh. Sometimes it's not funny. Sometimes it's not funny. Sometimes it's just a, just a show where things are happening. Like, what's the best stuff? It's stuff where things are what they are and funny things happen. Uh, like, something happens, you're not forcing it. They need to do a test in this sort of thing. Like, okay, so society says this is a great, hilarious show. Uh, do a bunch <clears throat> of blind tests and see if anyone that isn't in some sort of pop culture bubble that has been told that they're supposed to like this and that it's supposed That's to a be great funny. Idea. And that it's supposed to be funny whether or not it's going to be funny or not. Because what I understand, this is just a complete ripoff of Back to the Future with uh, an even zanier uh, doctor and an even stupider teenage sidekick. And I, I, I first encountered it by accident and had no idea what it was and thought it was dumb. I got halfway through it and all of a sudden I saw it at every, everywhere and I was like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I had this uh, this girl I dated a long time ago, and I saw her uh, post on Facebook, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Every time you yell Pickle Rick, that's another month of your virginity. 
or something like that. I, I paraphrase, but uh, it was the kind of thing that I I dare say she would utter. Nerds are getting anyway. laid now. I mean, but I mean, like the pussy might be the best quality, but at least they're getting laid. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about yeah. that. Sorry about that, guys. About what? Yeah, that was just really vulgar enough that I was like, ew. Oh, ew. I think I think there's I think that you know there's a. Our, the core, the core MFers out there know know what kind of language we've got. <clears throat> I've got you're you're so much more. Uh, <laughs> what's the word? Cord, cordial <laughs> pancakes. Not, yep. <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Cord- cordiality we, is definitely something I, I like to maintain. Uh, I agree, but sometimes for I just accessibility. Diplomacy. I think I listened to too much Joe, Joe Rogan and like grew up with him like for so long because I've been into Joe Rogan like OG since back in the day and the the yeah. way the way he cuts loose. Did you see his uh, latest special when he was talking about wrestling being gay? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but he's like, listen, it was I was just talking shit. I don't really think it's gay. But how do you expect me? What word do you want me to use when I'm trying to describe s- some gay shit? <laughs> like, 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 like if, if I walked into a room and there was a guy with shaved legs, greased up, oiled up, wearing a mask and knee high boots, hold, holding a guy down, but not really holding him down <laughs> in any that other space. Doesn't seem extraordinarily <laughs> yeah. straight. Yeah. No, I get it. He's like in any other space except that that ring. If that person showed up, he's there to suck some dicks. <laughs> I'm like, all right. And, but he had the fun, the best part was he's like, I loved wrestling when I grew up. Bruno San Martino, Ric Flair. And then he just holds the mic out and the whole crowd goes, woo. And he's like, we didn't even mm-hmm. fucking rehearse that. <laughs> like, there yeah, is literally a, an noise. exuberant noise attached with this man's like existence. And it's great. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, sorry. Complete tangent. We need to talk about comics. Sorry, Lee. Sorry, I'm effort. Sorry. I, I guess I could take that. I, there is an opportunity to segue here if you want me to go with go it. Go for it. Okay, speaking of sucking dicks, uh, <laughs> I'm reading... I'm, <laughs> I started reading a book that I picked up just because I thought, oh, that looks like it's got David Bowie on the cover. Maybe this is an interesting... And I'm not talking about David Bowie dick sucking, guys. Uh he did suck some quality dicks, uh, Mick Jagger. Maybe, maybe, maybe so. The, the, the point is that I saw this thing and I thought, well, maybe this is like a, a biopic or something like that. I don't know. I just saw the issue one and there was a David Bowie-esque looking character on the cover and uh, like in singing. And I thought, okay, well, that could be, that could be cool. So I picked this thing up <clears throat> and it's about a record exec who is trying to sign a uh, a punk band in, uh, like, 1986, 1987 in New York. What was it? And, was it um, what was it called? Was it Punk Rock Jesus? Or, no, that wasn't Punk Rock No, this is Gunning for Hits. Oh, Gunning for Hits. Yes. Excellent. Okay. So, uh, and I'll get to the... the uh, I promise it's a real long segue to get here. But, uh, let's see. So, this is an in- image comic, and it is... Um, Jeff, Jeff Rogue, R- Rouge V, Rogue V, I'm sorry guys, Jeff R-O-U-G-V-I-E, 
they're not doing they're doing this on purpose actually um yeah uh art is done by moritat and uh casey silver is the colors letters and design we just need uh, to take our hooked on phonics <clears throat> again and we'll be fine yeah yeah maybe so okay in that first issue you've got this record exec who's trying to sign this band and um he thinks they're legitimately the next big deal, but he doesn't think they're, you know, David Bowie quality. He's just, like, trying to figure out how much he can get away with. But he knows his his value to the label he works for. And oddly enough, he carries a gun, and it's never explained, but I started to see something about that in issue number two, and so there's something going on there. Well, um, the, uh, the girl in the band or the manager, she wants him to prove that he wants to sign the band so much that she insists that uh, he has to suck the band leader's dick. And (laughs) she's like, she's insistent on it because this is edgy and she's punk and she's very anti, like, corporate and all this stuff and she's playing her role perfectly. And then the the guy in the band, he's just excited. He's going to get signed and blah, blah, blah. But she's, like, stopping him. No, you've, you've got to do this. you got to let this guy suck your dick. And so our protagonist is, like, in lots of internal monologue. Because uh, this is a talky, talky book. We're talking about nine panel pages. We're talking about content in every single panel. This varies going back and forth between black and white or subdued color or full color. It depends on the scene and that's, where they are. Uh, since they're in the, that's good for in image. The, that's good for image. Usually yeah. it's like you can finish an image book and depending on which one it is. I mean, not talking about Weathermen or Spawn. Oh, yeah. But like no. Outcast or Invincible. I mean, you're done in five, six minutes if you can read fast this feels like a hardcore indie book that got picked up and uh they got signed to image you know and um it's edgy it's really kind of edgy so because the guy is explaining in detail how the uh music industry works and signing these like the guy you know they seems to really know what he's talking about and um you know does he end up having to suck the dick Uh, you guys have to read the book but, um, you know, yeah, he ends up signing this band, and then, uh, so I picked up issue two yesterday, and I hadn't looked at the credits, or the uh, copyright to see when they came out, but I got on one of the websites right before we started uh, podcasting tonight, and I was like, oh, let me look into this, oh, there's six issues out of this. So, uh, I don't know if it's going to be concluded in six issues or what, but I'll probably pick it up and check it out. Mm-hmm. Um turns out that david bowie character is not david bowie that's a character named david slade yeah so our protagonist is super excited that he did everything he knows how to do and he signed this band and he knows that it's all going to work out and he goes back to his office and constantly just like you know i don't know ball checking all of these other people he works with because he clearly knows He's the only guy that really makes any serious moves there. And all these people want to see him collapse. But it's also probably because of his attitude instead of his uh, abilities or talent. And uh, he's also got his best friend who reminds me a lot of Sean Penn in Carlito's way. He's an accountant who is um, a total dick. 
This guy's like got a psycho streak a mile long. And he has an in to get Brian Slade, who was apparently a glam rocker in the 70s. So our protagonist wants to sign this, sign this David Slade because then he'll also have connection to his entire backlog. And he's like, no, I want to get this guy going again because this is like a true A-lister in his head. And so you see that this guy does have a passion. And it's not all about the money or making the deal or whatever, you know? And so, I don't know. I mean, there's so much material in this and some of it was wasted space because it's like, why do I need this whole dumb story about how this guy cut off this dude's finger with a rat trap Mm -hmm. uh, for stealing cigars? And it's like, in the end, you see some moves made, and that's where the story is. I just, I, like I say, this is really, really verbose, as am I. Does it? Uh, but uh, what, what you're huh? what you're talking about reminds me of uh, Velvet Goldmine. Remember that movie? Oh gosh, for real. Yeah, uh, not not Ethan McGregor's character, but the other yeah. guy who was already glam. Jonathan Rhys Meyers, uh, who was supposed to be like the the David oh, Bowie, yeah. and like it was supposed to be loosely based on the relationship like Jagger and and who was the third one? I can't remember. There's an iconic photo of it, but Christian Bale, like this was something I never thought Chris Christian Bale would do. Tony Collette, fucking Eddie Eddie Izzard is in that movie. Uh, I, I feel yeah. I feel like what you're talking about is something that. Uh, that the the writers, creators, artists really enjoyed this movie. And um, yeah, I mean, this is happening in the late '80s, so it's definitely not taking place with the glam thing. But the idea makes so much sense because it's a, it was at that time more or less a dead medium, and it's like, yeah, is this guy gonna come out with something that's a red, like a real hit? Is the first album gonna be a stinker? Is he going to get a second chance, you know? And it's like, no, I appreciate this guy's work and I want to see him succeed. So it's kind of awesome to see a character that's been a prick up to this point have something that can, they literally like show his eyes like starry eyed. And I'm like, okay, it's, it's a, it's, that's a good gimmick. Does the, uh, comics, do the individual comics themselves come with any sort of like playlist to listen to while while reading the book at all uh i didn't see that but there is a what one two three four five six page um god solid just it's not a letters page it's just a commentary from the author uh at the end of the book and it's that also is dense I just, I'm like, dude, if you're writing, if you've got six issues out and they're all this packed, then uh, you can tell how much energy this guy's got for it, for his book. And, it sounds uh, like one of those things that you need to buy issue number one and buy the trade paperback to get all the juicy stuff, and then you're complete. Yeah, probably. I would definitely say. I, it makes me think of when we read, because uh, Image will let you do that. Or actually, you know, I guess that was Dark Horse way, way back. I'm thinking about when you would read Star Wars Dark Empire and then there was an entire section in the back of like, here's the backstory on this thing we mentioned. And it was like three pages long and you were like, I feel like I learned more about Star Wars reading those three pages than watching every one of the movies. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And that was when we only had three movies. Annotations are the best. 
especially if they yeah. took the annotations. They, thank you. When they take the the time, like this is what I did to research. I'm really proud of it. Here's the bibliography. Here's where I found it. Um, mm-hmm. This is what it meant to me. This is what inspired this idea. But then this is the actual lore that it came from. Like hell yeah, like in scary stories, still from the dark, till in the dark. Oh yeah. Uh, the the actual um, annotations, the bibliography were vastly more terrifying than what was actually in the actual uh, Alvin Schwartz written, uh, adapted from folklore stories. But then you've got Stephen Gamble Creepy. art. Yeah, I, I'm really worried that that movie's gonna suck. It comes out the two days before my birthday, and I've always imagined that I would be the one to make that movie, because I figured I could make it, and I'm worried it's gonna turn into a TV movie, like a, a teen movie or something like that. And uh, From what I've seen, Guillermo del Toro helped produce it, and or did he direct it? I don't know. I guess it doesn't really matter. I just hope it just doesn't suck. Because there's some things in there that would legitimately still haunt my dreams. <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, horror, Ice Cream Man, number 13. Mm. Uh, this one, uh, the the writer, man, it he just keeps challenging himself. Uh, Ice Cream number 13, written by M. Maxwell Prince. Art by uh, Martin Morazo, colors by Crystal Halloran, lettering by Good Old Neon, and you turn like the first page, you see the ice cream man with kooky ed- eyes, and he's got a arrow pointing this way to to his left. If you flip it, it's the same image, but he's got an arrow pointing to his right. You, hmm. you open each either from the front or the back. This comic is a palindrome. It can be read forwards from first to last panel or backwards from last to first panel. It's up to you. Author's note, if you choose to enjoy the story backwards, read panels from bottom to top to right to left. Which is fine, Mm -hmm. but there's a specific middle point. Basically, uh, this gentleman, he's mourning his, his, his love of his life, his husband, and you see the ice cream man's ice cream truck parked outside, and he's not even in the book. You just you just see he's the like almost crypt keeper-esque except he's involved does that make sense mm-hmm. and yeah. he's involved he's not just recounting the stories he's somehow involved and he he's mourning his his husband and he goes outside and underneath he passes the ice cream man's truck and underneath uh, one of the uh, wheels uh, a manhole is open and the manhole says underworld and he goes down and he goes into a hellish nightmare realm and he's given guides, and they keep telling him who he is and and how life is back and forth. It doesn't matter which way you go, up or down, it's all the same. And whether God or the devil, like, who's really the good guy? You know, you can argue both sides. Um, not that I would argue that the devil, if he was an actual thing, was a good guy, but um, it's, like that, it's like that fucking Daredevil issue we read last week. Uh, two weeks ago or last week when uh-huh. when they were sitting at the table each presenting their sides each presenting authentic this is why we do what we do and we have to do this uh arguments and it it culminates god or the devil and he goes into one room and he sees himself on the other on the other way on the like there's another entrance or exit and then in the middle there's a throne and it's empty turns out there's okay. no one home turns out there's no one home but in the middle that separates it and then he starts making his descent or uh, or rising and ends in the same spot and it ends with something that i really appreciate 
whether you're reading it backwards or forward, this is, there is no moving forward. The love of my life was taken from me in the flash. It's been three weeks since Michael passed, stage four pancreatic cancer, and I fucking, like, I almost didn't read it because of that, because I just missed my big brother so much. And, yeah. well, that's one way to go. Move forward, Paul. People sure love to give advice. And that is one thing that just hammered at me. Like, I, uh, I, I told you, like, even though I'm not a Satanist, but I still follow most of the rules of LaVey's church, that they make perfect sense. And one of them is do not give advice unless asked for. And when people give me advice, it angers me because I did not invite their presence. If I want advice, I would have analyzed how you conduct your life and saw that you've been successful in this, this, and this. And then I'll ask you for it. If you want to give it to me, great. If you don't, it's not going to, no harm, no foul. But when people are like, you know what you need to do? Yeah, not listen. Oh, yeah. yeah, not listen to you. Like, uh, you, you, you need to. This girl has been a good girl to you. You maybe you should stick with her. Like, listen, uh, you're on your third divorce. You're literally the last fucking person, one of the last people I'll ever take advice from, and I don't want anyone else's ideas to in any way sully my own idea of what I should or should not do with my own goddamn motherfucking life, and. It, it doesn't it doesn't it get in your skin too? Which part? Pe- Being given advice. People giving you unsolicited advice, and then in some way, it it waters down like some major conviction you have. Like it invited something in that is unwanted, unwarranted, and has no idea what you're going through, but it's there now. It's there. I don't. It's there now. It's it's polluted the waters. Well, it depends on who they are and how relevant they are to my stuff, to my life, to my things. Well, you and I discuss I, things I, all the time. My, uh, my my perspective is that I'm really capable of compartmentalizing stuff. Like this is something I should be concerned about or not. But like, if some you know, if Excuse I'm me. <laughs> at a quick trip or something like that, uh, and. Uh, somebody wants to give me advice who I don't know, then I'm like, I don't need anything from you. That's not so, you know, if I'm going to, the cashier at Lowe's who's renting me a trailer who knows about it, and I'm like, hey, what do you think about, you know, you, know, oh, you want to, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a different system of whether or not I'm going to listen to somebody. Yeah. In the end, <clears throat> the only advice I'm not interested in hearing is from people who don't know me very well. <laughs> And, uh, or at all. I'm just like, why are you talking to me about this? Like, you don't have any idea who I am or what I'm going through. But the worst advice that anyone can give me is what I should do when I'm having allergy problems. (laughs) Because fuck everybody, I've already done everything I can. And if you think I haven't taken an allergy medicine, uh, like, get off my case, okay? You know, oh, have you taken anything for it? Yes! I have ta- I started the day taking something for it. I, you know, it's just ridiculous that anybody, suddenly everybody's a doctor. You're like, oh, you're having allergy problems? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, you know. You know what would really help? Going to sleep. That's all I've got. <laughs> Moving out of fucking Oklahoma. <laughs> oh, I know. I hear about it I, all I can't ask you to do that. I understand why. 
My my stuff's pretty much under control when it comes to the allergies. Dude, I haven't had allergies since I left Oklahoma. Every fucking early fall, I'd get sick for a week. Like clockwork. Yeah. And every fucking early spring, I'd get sick for a week. Like clockwork. Um, I don't have allergy problems here, man. Uh, hell, we don't even have roaches here. I've never seen any. No roaches? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, we've got, like, black widows you gotta watch out for. We don't have brown recluses that are gonna fucking come into your fucking bed. Anyway, I'm just hating on, yeah. hating on Oklahoma. No, I don't like that. Brown recluse killed my dad. Yeah. That, um... I'm sorry that anyway. it was the anniversary, man, but I appreciate you sharing that with me. And uh, It was... Oh, sorry. Uh, a month that I met you beforehand that that happened. I met you early May. That's true. Yeah. No, late May, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, let's, you know, we can't really throw that out there and not explain it. So my dad, and I think we've talked about it in the past, my dad was, uh... Scoutmaster Ward. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. If you look at Moonrise Kingdom, it blows my mind because, uh... It's the best one. That movie, that's a Wes Anderson movie. Um... Ed, Ed, Ed Norton plays a character called Scoutmaster Ward. Well, that was my dad's name also, Ward. His name was Bill Ward. And um, he, uh, <laughs> there's a scene in the movie where they're like, uh, don't you have a regular job? And he, or, or is this what you do? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, no, I, I, I teach math. And then a minute later he's no. like, you know what? No, I'm a scout. This is what I do. Yeah. I just teach math to pay the bills. Yeah. That was my dad. He was a statistician. And uh, it just, it's eerie how that parallels. But my dad was, um, about 1986-ish, my dad was setting up chairs for a Cub Scout meeting, and there happened to be a spider in the chairs, and it got him in the leg, and that killed his lymphatic system. So uh, it wasn't a big deal initially, but we were living in Virginia for a year, and uh, during that time... He got, in, he got a scratch on his leg that got an infection. And you might wonder, you know, how does that happen in this day and age? I mean, it just, you know, whatever. I don't know. Staff can suck. In the third grade. I have no idea. But um, he, uh, so he was hospitalized, and it, it destroyed his, his uh, lymphatic system. So his legs would not pass water, and so he, his legs swole up. He had a situation called cellulitis. And uh, it made him heavier, and he developed a kind of a gut. He weighed a lot by the time he died, and he was 6'3". So this thing didn't get him outright. This was 1986. What, what was tragic to me is that in 2009, he, uh, he started having treatments to get the water out of his legs and out of his body, and it was doing a lot of good for him. He was losing weight. He was having more energy. He felt better. And uh, he, I was excited because he was good. he was a grandfather, and he loves he loves kids, and he just wanted to see my son, my brand new son. You know, it's one of my and, favorite uh, photos of all time is your uh, dad holding baby Luca. Yeah, that was one of the rare occasions that that got to happen. Uh, and um, he uh. He never missed a scout jamboree. So he went to the National Scout Jamboree, even when he couldn't go as a scoutmaster because there wasn't a troop or the positions were already full. He would go and he got a certification to run a forklift. And even though he was a university professor, he loved doing it. So he would go and he would do 
pickups off of the back of a uh, McLean semi-trailer and he would make sure to be involved with food distribution or something like that but I got the last photo anybody took of him and my mom always says he looked uh, he looked tired and he went to bed early one night comparatively and uh, his tent mate who I don't know that I ever met was you know you just get assigned into a tent and you're like okay you make friends with that person but he said he found him non-responsive in the morning and I figure that he had a heart attack. We know that he had, apparently he had a heart attack in his sleep or he had a massive coronary or something like that. Mainly that's because I think that he was having a treatment and it changed his body chemistry, but he had to pass a physical before he went. He was great. He was in great shape. His arteries were all good. So I just think his heart was like, hey guys, this isn't what we do. We have been doing this for decades and now you're changing how it works and you're asking us to process too much and we can't handle it or something like that i don't know but uh I, that's kind of how i figure it but he had what amounted to being a state funeral because he was a big time rotarian he had scouts from everywhere come in and he had uh the entire oklahoma state university just seemed to be there and uh it was standing room only and i had a lot of people come from miles and miles away and uh that was that was 2010 august august died kind of overnight august 2nd 3rd on uh in 2010 i was working on a movie and i went to go to uh i just went and got we could just remember my brother calling me crying and i was like my brother doesn't cry about anything this is a mess this is a bad deal yeah so i left the movie and i went home and dealt with that situation for a week and then I was like I gotta go back and I want to work I just want to work which was maybe a good idea and maybe not because I never felt like the other shoe dropped because I didn't just sit there living in the situation and the unhappiness and my mom had her brother-in-law and sister and there were so many people trying to be helpful and Joshua you tried to be helpful and I just didn't know you well enough Oh no, I wasn't going anywhere, man. But I, I, I didn't want to be a, a, a an annoyance, and I, I waited. Uh, nobody was annoying. Nobody. That sucked, man. I, I don't uh, know how you got through that. It was just I just had to keep telling people things were okay. You know, people, people. I came one of my the, the guy. My dad was a scoutmaster, my actual scoutmaster for my troop. I came home from somewhere one afternoon, and he was on my driveway talking to my mom and he was weeping i'd never seen him sad in my life and i was just so happy to see him i hadn't seen him in like six years and i walked up and i was like oh hey how's it going and he was weeping and saying he was sorry and i was like it's okay i can't tell you how many people i had to tell that it was okay yeah and i always thought that was weird and i still think that's weird because that's the first thing i say people are like oh i'm sorry and i'm like no it's all right i mean what can you do but, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we threw that out there, and it just... You got to say know, it the right way. You, you got to say it the right way. You can't just shake someone's hand and say you're sorry. It's... fuck does that mean? Like, so you burden yourself oh, yeah. and put a suit on, and, and you stood in line to shake our hand while we stood by the uh, coffin or urn, and, and then, did, like, <laughs> what, is that, what does that mean to me? Like, I've seen that in... 
all of the all of it was like that. All of the funerals I've been to or been involved in, it's it's like this line waiting to meet you. In like at the, I, I don't know if anything happens to my parents. I don't. I, I'm probably gonna be like, fuck off, go away. I probably will not be standing there. My sister and I will probably not be standing there. We will probably get the fuck out of there as soon as possible. And you know, it's it's uh, that's a weird thing about funerals is that even though it's all it's it's supposed to be. It's a, it's supposed to be for us. It's also not for us because it's for everybody. It's yeah. I mean, maybe you know, you're, yeah, you're the family and you're special goodbye. in those instances. But it's also for them. Yeah. It's, so if you don't want to participate in that fashion, there's no reason why you've got to. No. And but at the same time, though, most people don't understand what funerals are for. It's it's a it's a goodbye. It's 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 the <coughs> it's the formal final yeah. goodbye. And if you don't have that. As a human, for some reason, it's been indoctrinated in our genetics that we need that sort of thing. Like, we didn't get that with Jim, and I still feel like he's not all the oh, way man. gone yet. Like I feel bad about all about that. Cause dude, his wife went to Michigan the other day, and I was like, shit, I can make it to Oklahoma, break into her fucking house, so I assume she doesn't have a fucking security alarm, and, and, and say goodbye. Like, I, I literally thought that. Like, why the fuck not? Just buy a. What do you? I'm not sure. I understand. Well, Are you she, to... she didn't. She didn't give us a funeral. They oh, they, okay. they cremated him, and she promised us a funeral. And she never fucking gave it to us. And then um, she posted an Instagram like, "Yeah, I'm, she's in Michigan." I'm like, "Great, she's in Michigan. It'll take her three days to get there. I can be in Oklahoma in fucking eight and a half hours, uh, and get to say goodbye to my big brother." I, I literally thought that like. I'd, like, buy a burner phone. <laughs> buy a burner phone, that way I can... Yeah, well, anyway, that's that's some crazy shit. But anyway, um, I, I, when we're talking about death, uh, that's um, one of the things... Yeah, that, I don't know where, it's just, yeah, it's one of those things. No, yeah. it's okay. I mean, like, uh, if, you're, if you're listening to this, you obviously give a shit about us and care what we're talking about. So, hey, thanks for letting us share that with you, because that's, uh, that's something that uh, most ears aren't welcome to but it's we're minefields and welcome to our world and thank you for sharing Yeah, people keep asking me what we talk about (laughs) yeah (laughs) like we talk about everything you know mainly we definitely are going to talk about comics and wrestling yeah but even then quentin tarantino couldn't hold a fucking candle to our fucking machine gun fucking language (laughs) he dialogue generator wishes he could generate dialogue with this but i want to talk about one of the the uh, latest issue of The Beauty, number 28. Uh, Great segue. <laughs> uh, Jer- Jeremy Hahn, Jason A. Hurley's mm-hmm. story. Uh, Thomas uh, Nachlik, art. Naeung Kim, colors. Thomas Maurer, lettering design. Mm-hmm. Joel Enos, editor. Oh, by the way, I forgot to say hi to uh, KJ and uh, Jack when they were barking about 30 minutes ago. But uh, <laughs> The Beauty is going on. I'm intrigued about this. Okay, so I don't know where they're going with the story, and that's what I really like about it. Not just the phenomenal artwork that is completely consistent. When there's action, it's when it's called for. Uh, Mm -hmm. When there's exposition and someone's uh, mythos or their uh, frame of mind, it really soaks you into it and, like, easing into a hot tub. And, And all of a sudden... It ends, and you're all of a sudden you're out of the hot tub, and like I want to get back in. Um, when it comes to the beauty, I don't know where they're going. 
and as a writer, I, you know, it's hard, like, we've talked about it and joked about it before, like, I, I, I can't watch Law & Order anything, because I, like, oh, that's the guy, <laughs> like, within, like, a minute, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the guy, no, uh, but I, they, this particular issue is focusing on an actor in L.A., and he has the beauty, uh, again, this is a, a, a STD that you get the beauty, all of a sudden, you become beautiful, the most beautiful version of yourself, and he's an actor, he's struggling, he gets this message that he's going to be evicted if he doesn't get the the rent, because uh, he's, you know, two months behind, and he's got, uh, to the end of the week, he just lost a role to another beauty, which is what they called him, who has stolen seven huh. different roles from him, he meets up with his aunt, and she begs him to call his mom, and he can't, because a lot of, this is an STD, and some people are having trouble with this, and some of the beauties are... Uh, spontaneously combusting and he's got a cough he can't shake and he's running a valet smoking a joint talking about how this guy stole another you know role from him and there's a actual soap opera in LA being run about the beauties and uh, he he's practicing he's really doing his best but he also needs to make money and he's mm-hmm. practicing his lines for a role that his aunt just kind of hooked him up for in the mirror of the hotel room where he's about to fuck a couple of really ugly people uh, and they really go all, you know, toilet boy, toilet bowl, balding guy and ugly, chubby, weird woman with like some saggy ass ugly tits and a white girl afro and he's like, let's have some fun and they're, the thing is, he's not there just to fuck them. He's there to yeah. give them the disease to pay for his rent. Because when he busts a fat one and both of them, they get the beauty disease and boom, they're beautiful. And it's just him living his life day to day. This guy has never been introduced in the storyline whatsoever. And at first I was like, man, are they just trying to drag the story along? Or No, they're not. They're having fun with their world. Why not introduce us to more of these people? Like when I was reading DMZ and they were showing random people within the demilitarized zone, uh, just a six-issue thing where just new people, you'll never see them again. There might be some echoes of their influence, but they only did it for six issues. The Beauty has been doing this consistently, and I don't know why I didn't ever figure it out. I mean, there was a mobster, that, yeah. this like 400-pound mobster that... Uh, he, he wasn't even really a mobster. He was like the, the D-lister mobster that was doing work for a guy, for a guy, for a guy that worked for the maid guy. And he figured out the chain of command, where they were going to be, executed them all, stole all the money, went to a hotel, hired a beauty prostitute, and within three pages, he went from three, four hundred pounds and shed it like the, the hotel was a mess. Like it was shedding a, a cocoon. And uh, he emerges like, you know, perfect 190 button up a beautiful, you know, Armani suit. And that was it. (laughs) That was it. Okay. That was it. But this one ends in this guy getting the role that he was set up for. And he's still got that nasty cough. And he goes outside and he's coughing. And then he sees blood in his hand. And then he spontaneously combusts. And we'll see you next issue. (laughs) alright we'll see you next issue I love one and done issues like this like make me you're gonna make me fall in love with a character I've never been introduced but I've got a solid composure in how the universe that they're writing works I'm gonna miss this guy I just met him 
Like I missed that. Mm-hmm. Like I missed that mobster I was just talking about. Big old fat black guy. I mean, they made him look like Biggie Smalls. And uh, they haven't really gone into the meat and potatoes of the actual storyline of the detectives trying to find out uh, why the beauties are spontaneously combusting and and really getting to the serial killer that's targeting the beauties. It's just so much fun, and it the covers are oh the covers are to die for like the the issue one i've got two of them and uh one's in my safe deposit box just because because this is one of the ones i was this is one this is this is a good one this is this is good (laughs) this is gonna end up in a tv series one day uh by the way one random I, i i can't believe this even slipped under my radar the kitchen Becky Cloonan was doing uh, covers for The Kitchen from Vertigo like four years ago, and all of a sudden it's a fucking movie. I think it's already out. Um, okay. Yeah, these uh, the these um, women in Hell's Kitchen, all their husbands, there's four of them, they all, all of them get, their husbands are executed, and they take over the mob in that area, and it's called The Kitchen. Oh, weird, it's, all right. But Melissa McCarthy's in it, so I'm never going to watch it. And, uh, oh, I... <laughs> Really don't like her. Yeah, I really don't like her. And uh, Clooney did all the covers, so of course I, of course I have them. Um, yeah. Little, little surprise that they did that. Oh, by the way, did you see Manhunter? The preview came out for season two today. That uh, Netflix move uh, show w- uh, directed by David Fincher about uh, the FBI dealing into serial killers. Manhunter, like based off of the Thomas Harris novel. No, 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 no. It's uh, well, my my stupid and fucking misquoted what the damn name is. Hold on, look it up. I sent, I sent it to my mom because we watched it. Yeah, Mindhunter. Sorry, man, Mindhunter. 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 And uh, yeah, that that's gonna be awesome. Comes out mid August, and then Glow's coming out. I can't wait for season three of Glow. Uh, Marin was saying on his podcast today he doesn't know if they're gonna get renewed. They're like, he was interviewing Walton Goggins today. And, uh, really? Yeah, and the guy was... Love Walton Goggins. Love that guy. Like, uh, I haven't listened to Marin's podcast in probably three weeks because he hasn't anyone I've wanted to listen to, but Walton, uh-huh. Walton Goggins, man, like, the guy's from House of a Thousand Corpses, and uh, what else was he in? Justified. Dude, Justified. <laughs> Come on. He was, uh, he was one of the... I always laugh because he was one of the bad guys mm-hmm. in um, The Next Karate Kid. That's what they talked about that. They talked about how he got that. <laughs> they talked about how he got that role, and and he was supposed really? to be he was supposed to be the main asshole, and then uh-huh. he, he was tired of getting turned down for things, and he walked out of the uh, audition room. And he was eyeballing some guy that was up for it. Was down to them. It was like the fourth call for this, and he's like he walked out. He's like killed it. You might as well fucking leave. And he sits down, and and then he's sitting there, and he's sitting there, and he's sitting there, and all of a sudden he hears boisterous laughter from the room. And he's like, well, I'm fucked. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, he didn't get the role. And he was selling, like, cowboy boots at a fucking flea market. And, um, yeah. he gets the, he, he says, fuck this. He was just selling a pair, and he said, fuck this, I'm done. And he called the casting director and wanted to talk to the director. And he's like, listen, I didn't get the part, but what else can I do? And he's like, well, you can be, you know, asshole number one. <laughs> He's like, great, mm-hmm. I'll read for it. And they pull in the director and casting director on the phone call. Like, dude, you were great. Fuck it, it's yours. You're, you're, you're in. And then he's like, he hung up the phone, uh, told the people that he was selling boots for to eat a dick, and then left, and then never worked a day in his life again. 
Oh, he works because he works. He hustles, but but he was hu- he works those jobs. He, he works his jobs, but he wasn't selling cowboy boots that he was doing when. Yeah. And then he's he bought his mom's old house and helped sold it, and and then he brought his mom to L.A. because he's from fucking Georgia. Guy's fucking homegrown, man, and uh, raised by yeah. a bunch of. His story was very interesting. His dad wasn't in the picture. Um, he was raised by Did- a community of women, like his aunt's mom grandma it was had a half brother he never saw it was just nothing but women and then uh he got a flyer in the mail from american express says hey apply for a credit card and you'll get 90 dollars to la and he's like this was late 80s (laughs) oh (laughs) this is late 80s money it's like everywhere from mississippi to east 90 dollars mississippi west 180 both ways He's like, those. Remember those plane tickets were eight, nine hundred dollars regularly, and he pulls out mm-hmm. his his Amex. He's like, and it says I'm member since '89. He showed up and told the story. It was a fascinating story, and That's he was cool. funny, but he was tough, and he he was like, Marin would make a joke, and he like, hey, hey, hold on, and like, and then like he realized that Marin made the joke, and then like, and then reassemble and like realize that Marin made the joke, and I shouldn't have said it like that, so like hold on so abrasively and then rein himself back in and talking about meeting Tarantino and um the only thing I was oh yeah because he was in the uh hateful really eight stupid Django Django yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not a fan not a fan hated that movie um I was dying for him to talk about being in House of a Thousand Corpses mm-hmm. and they didn't even touch on it they even talked they even mentioned Haunted House I'm like, come on, you're so close. Talk about how he was the shithead deputy drinking the Coke. He's like, you're telling me this man's going to be riding with us in this car? <laughs> and, and, and Yeah, he died pretty damn fast, and they they kept calling him, uh, uh, God, I'm forgetting Mayberry names. Fife. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Fife. <clears throat> Uh, sorry guys for another weird ass fucking but we've got plenty oh another tangent another tangent but that's that's what's fun about this man and I yeah I, I, I wanna shit on the Batman who laughs number seven. Oh, hit it alright so it wasn't that bad I mean like okay. I wish they'd have presented this as an Elseworlds uh, tale um for our readers that are in the know remember Elseworlds like Speeding Bullet with uh, Batman was Superman a good one shot but it's uh we're mm-hmm. we're picking off let's see ooh wildcats sorry flipping through here to find the credits scott snyder writer jock artist so the artwork was phenomenal yeah. david baron colors sal Capronio letters drop cover david finchin tomo mori variant cover anyway so batman's got minutes uh, if not seconds before the Batman who laughs poison is going to seep in and turn him into uh, another Batman who laughs in this universe. Cause he's an escapee Batman who laughs is an escapee from the metal universe to here and is trying, he's got his drones ready to poison the rest of Gotham and turn everyone. And you know, Joe, I, I, I shouldn't be shitting him cause I love Joker. Yes. Yeah. Bless you. And, uh, uh-huh. He's like, yeah, when this, uh, once this little light turns uh, green or red, uh, that means your blood is ready for me to take it, analyze it, program it, and the Gotham's fucked. And 
Bruce Wayne, our Batman, is giggling. He's got one crazy eye that's poking out and, you know, flesh, you know, muscle, vicious, mm-hmm. viscous flesh. And, uh, oh, by the way, I'm kind of crazy, but uh, you forgot that all that stuff is Wayne Tech, and I put in this crazy little uh, thing there to stop you, and I was hoping you'd come to this... this uh, this uh cemetery and they've got another little bruce wayne from another time uh that joker wants to use and or batman who laughs wants to use and uh it comes down to it and all these crazy machines are just shooting down the batman who laughs and batman's going crazy and he's about to die and all of a sudden, the real Joker comes out of nowhere and says, "Hey, bats, you're welcome," and puts a bullet in the fucking in his own head, and Whoa. and saves his ass. And uh, and don't don't say I didn't do nothing for you. And and the contingency plan that you didn't know about that they didn't mention the last six issues uh, suddenly comes to fruition, and they've got the Batman who laughs in this crazy containment system and. Uh, there's a little side story where uh, Gordon is struggling with his serial killer son that kind of saved him but didn't, that wanted to murder things and wanted to, he wanted to uh, work with uh, the Grim Knights and the Grim Knights drowning Gordon. And he's like, you want to know me, Dad? And then he pulls a knife and starts stabbing the, you know, the Grim Knight, not because he's trying to save his dad, but because he just really likes to murder shit. And um, it ends and Batman's just healing at his house and, Gordon goes down a random corridor uh, alley and saying goodbye to people and takes his glasses off and his eyes are all red and his dialogue bubbles are just like the Batman that laughs and the horror continues in Batman slash Superman number one in stores August 28th. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. Like you ended it, but then you didn't. And then you, you you're doing so well with having everything intertwined in Flash, Superman, Batman, um, Justice League Dark, Green Lantern is somehow still integrated. There's hints uh, what's going on in Justice League still kind of incorporates, okay, yeah, last time you saw this guy was here, but yeah, he's here now, but this is kind of a little segue. And then you're doing this for a cash grab. Uh, like, granted, it's jock, so it was beautiful. You could have just flipped through it and just had just nothing but panels without dialogue and Snyder did a, a decent job but like the fact that it's not really part of main continuity why are you even bothering and then what are you going to what are you going to do with this I, you know it's just going to be this I'm trying to think what is that uh, John Goodman and Denzel Washington movie with Elias Kateas. No, not Elias Kateas. Uh, King Ralph? You're talking about King, you're talking about King <laughs> Ralph? King Ralph. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, there's that. There's this, this wacky, uh, wacky, it's not wacky, it's a serial killer movie, and there's this demon that passes from one person to the next, and they have to die... For, like, the person it's in has to die so it can uh, move into the next person. And Denzel Washington figures this out and is chasing him down through the whole thing. Like, that's what the Batman Who Laughs is going to be like. Like, is this something in their back pocket from what they're doing in Mainstream Fucks Up and they got to bring back more metal because that was so popular? Yeah. 
Uh, okay. If if he told me that before I started reading it, I would be prepared for it. But yeah. they can't really say that. But at the same time, though, Batman's in space right now with Justice League, and they're about to die on an alien planet, and Green Lantern can barely contain uh. things. And Batman has zero business being in space. <laughs> yep. <laughs> zero business. Like, who invited this asshole to this party? You can't even drink this. Like, he showed up with, like, shitty Earth ale. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just mind-boggling how much stuff... It's one thing when, like, Loki is like, let's scoop up the Avengers and have them fight the Defenders through time and space! I just don't see anybody doing that with Batman. Though, I'm sure he would have a cool bat spacesuit or something. <laughs> bat spacesuit. No, no, he's just in cape and cowl. And, uh, I'm glad that, that, that it's over. I, I, I hope <laughs> they put it away for a while. What do you got next, brother? Um, I'm going to finish up with our... Uh, oh, we didn't talk about Thanos yet. We've not talked about Thanos yet. We should hit Thanos, because we're, we're dual Thanos. We both read Thanos. Yep. Um, I mean, it's a continuation of what's been going on. I realize now this is a six-part, which is kind of the best thing you can do. I don't think there should be an ongoing Thanos story. I think that people should approach the editors and say, hey, I got a cool Thanos story. Let's do this. And, of course, this is... I'm going to say this is a cash grab. We've been talking about it's it. Too good. It's too good to be a cash grab. But it's the best cash grab out there in that it is, hey, let's do the backstory between Thanos and Gamora. And I kept expecting Gamora to be a lot older. Like, I thought we were going to see Gamora through the ages or something like that. But because they've really centered it around their first adventure together it's really been uh you know gamora as little girl and everything yeah that's been fascinating um it, it makes me happy because I, I i always thought that she hated him from the beginning but seeing him her want to please him as a warrior as as it progresses and as he continues to show his uh, disregard slash love like Hey, like, glad, I'm really glad you activated that shit in your arm because I was about to fucking ice all three of these fucking ships. <laughs> like, I didn't care. Yeah. I didn't care. And then, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, thanks for telling me about this coup, but go deal with these assholes that you just ratted out. I'm going to be gone for a while. Peace. Like, yeah. <laughs> that It really shows the instability of Thanos. It personalizes, or, yeah, it personalizes him... In a way that a lot of the Thanos books just haven't done, you know? Well... He has got some massive problems. It's been a slow draw. You know what I want to make the parallel here on this one? Mm. He's like Wolverine. We're, we're slowly but surely learning more and more of the awesome elements elements of Thanos' uh, origin bit by bit. Whether if it's in the future with Cosmic Ghost Rider... Or now with uh, raising Gamora just for a small bit, or when they show him with, with Bianchi was doing it, you know, falling for death the first time, or uh, it's no, it's, that was so every weird. single thing is a, this perfect nugget. I wonder who is there's got to like there's got to be one dude that's making sure this is always good, like the way Claremont always made sure that like X Men was good, and like we get these nuggets 
of Wolverine, like whether it was in Wolverine Origins, the actual series with Way, or Weapon X, or um, Origin with uh, Quesada. It's it's a slow build up, but like you know, then there's all those other things going on when like they're they're fucking it up. But that's okay because we because yeah. we at least still have like a, a steady like gold vein if we were gold miners we just keep going down to the darkness of, of this gold vein we found in california and we're just raking up the riches and not caring that we're not spending because <laughs> we're having so much fun like looking for it but we got to talk about the uh credits here teeny howard writer ariel olivetti artist antonio fabella color artist vcs joe caramagna god damn this guy's kicking ass we should probably talk to him soon and uh, <laughs> uh, Jeff, the best, the best lame joke we've got I, I, for some I, I know, but like the thing is, we really want to talk to this guy because lettering is actually really important. Rules of threes. How are you? Yeah. How are you arranging the bubbles? Let us know what software you're using. Where did you start? What was your favorite thing lettered? Like, what made you want to be a letterer? Because at the same time, though, every time I think about like when, uh, remember when like being an inker was a thing, and like, when you go back to like. Uh, yeah. What, what was it? Uh, was it Dogma or was it Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back? Like, dude, it was Dogma. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was chasing. It was. Me. You're a tracer. <laughs> you go over the lines, and it's like yeah, that's not fair. It's light and dark. Uh, I give this one a solid. God, are we doing uh, tens or five? We're doing five star wrestling, or we're doing ten star. Whatever you want to do, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's do the 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 point will get across. Let's do the non wrestling because we can't just give everything the the, the five six star uh, Meltzer rating. I would give this a solid eight on a on a ten scale. Like, uh, boy, that's no man. I mean, the book as a whole, totally, but like that particular issue, I was way less into because. It, there was it was just like okay you're dropped into the middle of the situation that happened in the previous issue yeah if you don't remember then what the hell what's going dude, on dude the only you people know? that are reading this are hungry and chomping at the bit for this I mean we see I guess that's we true, see yeah. Ma with hair like it's some cheesy seventies flashback and he's got a fucking like <laughs> wig on like because it literally looks like he's wearing a wig Ma with hair and um, <laughs> Gamora's like just fix me up it'll be cool give me another arm and. I think that's weird. I can't imagine any child being like, I lost a limb and uh, I don't have a problem with it. But she is also an alien and uh, maybe shouldn't have the attachment issues, you know? Right. But then you see death. Mm-hmm. Just there. Like, Thanos doesn't notice her. She just shows up just for like one, like if you missed the panel, you missed it. There she is. Just right. watching. Yeah, what are we building to? What is she pushing him to? Yeah, what is she pushing him to? Uh, the the Magus, uh, you're you're fucking with the wrong dude. Oh yeah, you're you're fucking with the wrong dude. You're gonna live through it, but it's gonna hurt, and all your followers are gonna be gone. I don't think Thanos is smart enough to know how to kill the Magus. No, I mean, he's supposed to be an ultra-science... You know, he's a super scientist. And uh, he's he's just not there yet. I just dig that I know that this story has to be taking place uh, in the chronology of the 70s or the 60s because the Blood Brothers and Thanos made their first appearance in Iron Man comics, of all places. 
And uh, uh, so that's why we still have the Blood Brothers and all of that. But uh, it's cool to see these characters, like, um, what is it, Proxima Midnight and Ebony Maw, yeah. introduced in that time period. And then, okay, where are they? What have they been doing? Because we never see them as the space pirates anywhere. That always weirded me out, space pirates. And I'm like, okay, no, it makes sense now. But, uh, yeah. I liked how uh, Thanos wasn't too pissed off that they were planning a, a mutiny. Like, he was expecting it. Like, yeah, why wouldn't they be planning a mutiny? Yeah, he was expecting it. He's at least smart enough to know that that is in the cards. At the same time, though, like, hey, you want to be part of me? You want to be raised with me? Take care of these assholes you just ratted out on, and I got to go. Yeah. And uh, also, um, letting her control what she does with her prisoner. Oh, that was my favorite part. Yeah. yeah she, he expected execution. She's like, nah. And he's like, all right, it's her prisoner. She really, like, it's literally her prisoner. There was no argument in that. Like, he could have been the asshole dictator. I'm like, no, I decide what happens. But no, there was, like, that weird, would you call it, like, a like a skewed honor? Like, okay, that really is her prisoner. And I'm pissed that my daughter is choosing to fucking let him live. But she got her booty. And uh, she gets to decide what she, she quantifies as a daughter yet. But no, I dig what you're saying. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that we can dig deep into all these things in one solitary issue. And uh, I reread it. I reread it. I always reread the Thanos ones because there's I always feel like I'm missing something. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I, I worry that there's something I glanced over, especially because it's in, it's so important. These 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 books will be studied one day, and I thoroughly believe one day. I'm sure there's some colleges that you know, like back at OU, I know there was a few uh, professors that taught Watchmen and that sort of thing. But that's Watchmen. But yeah, now like when we were going over the last Daredevil, and I I, I specifically said this is collegiate level writing. Mm-hmm. There's very little violence, and the artwork is perfect like I, I feel like these these classes should we we should probably do this together and because you know fucking bendis teaches in portland we should do we should figure out a way to do this ourselves get like doctorates and uh, honorary doctorates and just teach because we're that good at it sure, we like, can get real like, doctorates man. dude we're, we're both writers we're both artists like okay why is this important you you show up like this i show okay like now we're gonna go into the artwork look at this panel here look how they differentiated light from dark look at their specific color pal uh, palette pay attention to uh the emotion emotions of each face from here to here i mean like can you position your face that way not on purpose but if you saw it just like here do you know what what's going on this was this was something yeah orchestrated like you can't just always have a smile on their face or a scowl and and ma is so fucking emotive in this <laughs> like, like it's true he's kind of cartoony but in a good way yeah his eyes are big in this one panel and then he's got his eyebrow up here contemplating and then he's scowling here like wait a minute maybe maybe we need to rethink this <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh yeah thanos Awesome. What do you got next? Uh, I got Symbiote Spider-Man numbers three and four. 
I, uh, I had been reading this, and then I kind of went back and just saw it. I was like, you know what? You know, they've introduced the black cat into this. It makes it even more interesting to me. I really like that time period where Spider-Man and Black Cat were running around together. And I like the, uh, this is before he married Mary Jane. Um, and I love that this takes place in the 70s in Spectacular Spider-Man. But I'm having a hard time ascertaining exactly, like, in between what issues or whatever. But, uh... This still carries on this idea that Mysterio wants to take down Spider-Man. Uh, we talked about this a while back. I'm just, you know, I mean, the interiors are Greg Land. So whatever you think about that, this yeah. is a good-looking look. It's sleek. It's sleek. I love that. Yeah, what's it the, is. What's the paper thing. like? What's the paper like on that one? Is it thin or is it a little bit more heftier? It's a, it's a little hefty. It's got a good gauge. The color takes to it very, very well. Things that look like it's supposed to shine really do shine. There's a little, a little gloss going on everywhere. What's the finger? Um, what's the fingerprint stickiness on this one on a scale of one to five? <laughs> Not so bad. Not okay, so, on the cover. That's the thing that because on the front cover of both of them, there's plenty of little black full black ink spots but like on the back cover of one of them they've got an advertisement for the cloak and dagger tv series so you've got cloak on one side and dagger on the other and dagger's surrounded by darkness and cloak is surrounded by light you know because it's all got to be that way so it'd be, it, it would definitely leave fingerprints but it, it hasn't done it and that's i think that's the difference like that's something that definitely happens on uh Happened on Walking Dead books and drove me crazy and then other stuff, but, um, yeah. I think this is one of those places where it's one of those questions. Do you think that Black Cat and Spider-Man were doing it? Yeah, they were totally doing it. Hell yeah. Do it in this book. Hell yeah. And, uh, Raw dog. Greg Land. <laughs> Mass uh, Oh, yeah. It was the 70s, what can you say? Yeah. Greg Land is exactly the kind of guy that you want to go to for that kind of, uh, moment. Uh, the, the emotions are awesome everywhere. The facial expressions are really, really good. And the uh, let me get into the credits here because there's something that happens with Greg Land art that I really appreciate. Tell me. Um, Jay Listing, Lit, or Listin is the uh, inker and Frank D'Amata is the colorist. Between the pair of them... There are some really great things happening here. I really dig these heavy, heavy lines around some of these characters. They're so solid, and, uh, aren't they? They're so solid they, and fluid. Dude, everything here feels so real. Every single frame feels so real. And then I really appreciate the inverse white lines around some other things. Like when you've got a dark... When you've got a symbiote-covered... Spider-Man running around in a dark room, then they have a white, he's got a white line around it. I really, I don't know, it just really goes a long way. And then, um, I appreciate in the coloring aspect, you know, in this time period, Peter's been wearing the symbiote and it's running him through the ring. He's a, he's never getting any rest. Uh, and, uh, he's letting his beard go a little bit. And so the, the color gradient on his face for when you see him without his makeup just looks good. And that's something that happens, I think, in a lot of Greg Land-related books uh, because I think it's it's something he orders. It's not a... Uh, 
it's not something anybody's just running off and doing on their own. Okay, I'm confused. But, um, I'm confused. I want to make sure because I, 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 and I, this is actually a, a legit point here. Are we talking yeah. Greg Land or Terry Dodson? Because I always get the two damn, two of them confused. No, Greg Land is the okay. Terry Dodson is his own perfect, awesome cheesecake art. Greg yeah. Land is delicious-looking females, amazing expressions. But he is constantly reviled for the probability of being just a straight-up tracer, just, like, taking pornography images or whatever and making the women, like, duplicating the appearance of, of women from porn into his books I and have, stuff like that. I have no problem with that. I, I love the fact that, like, I, he guarantees beautiful lips and beautiful eyes, even though they're the same eyes and lips at the same time. He's putting the same face on his favorite porn stars. Fuck it. Let's have some fun. People gave Maduria that shit because he was, like, using, uh, uh, appropriating, they, they accused him of copying, um, like, anime stills. Okay, uh-huh. he might have yeah. appropriated it, but did he, did he trace it and it's the same fucking thing? No, he just, like, Maduria's skill, like, I know they shit on him a lot, but I, I miss him, um... But, hey, yeah, put the same beautiful favorite face you got on your favorite porn stars, or you're still drawing it. You're still physically making it. You're not photocopying. Yeah, it's still to some level like, of work. Yeah. But, but uh, outside of that, this these this series is draw, or, uh, is written by Peter David, the, the man, the myth, the legend, I'm going to say. I really have never read anything by Peter David I didn't like. Um and uh, the last time we talked about this, I know I mentioned some of his wonderful Star Trek books. Of course, he did the Hulk for a number of years. I mean, Peter David is 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 worth so much. I agree. I mean, it's just this is a great. This is a fun story from a time period that we all constantly refer back to, and. Honestly, it's questionable if that time period even exists anymore with the whole stuff that's happened to Spider-Man in the past few years and then Battleworld and all that. But, like, authentically, I mean, this is Spider-Man 616, which means it's Marvel Comics 101. This is a reality that we as fans like to go back to, and this is a crisp, juicy, sexy whole situation to be you know paying attention to i think it was just one of, I, honestly though I, I think it's a little cash grabby only because it's like hey let's make mysterio a bad guy because we got a mysterio villain in a movie and people will see mysterio and we'll stick him in that but uh, so mysterio's on the cover i think of every one of them i got these two i got by accident were variant covers and i was like well it's got black cat i want black cat I'm sorry, guys. I've always been a fan of Black Cat. Don't be for sorry. For any she's, number of reasons, and I think you can pick out two of them. She's juicy. Yeah, uh, three or four, actually, in my case, from my personal mm-hmm. taste. Well, my, I, I, I like that hair. I love that I, hair. I really love that hair. Not love that every white time hair. I, anytime anyone wants to hit on me, I'm just thinking, like, not quite blonde enough. Just the bait <laughs> just comes out of me, man. <laughs> cannot stress blonde enough. <laughs> uh, that's what i got well, man those are my books this week that's what you got all right so i got i think i got yeah. like two more okay paper girls wound wound down in the final issue today or last last wednesday 
that you're mm-hmm. listening to us now to figure out whether it was good so you can buy it. Uh, number 30. Um, I was relieved it's over. Brian K. Vaughn, writer. Uh, Tom is a huge fan of Brian K. Vaughn, but uh, because he's just a, anything he does, why the last man saga? I mean, like, he's just fawns for it, but Paper Girls lost me in like issue 12 because the time travel got so convoluted the way that time travel got so convoluted in morning glories and ruined it for me Mm -hmm. it's just it's just not something i i I think should be consistently done they were switching time periods every two issues and like okay which version of you was the last one that's in love with this person that is gonna fall in love with them later and died in like 20 years ago and uh, you're sending a message to them from the first issue, and I don't want to have to keep going back to figure like to remember. I mean, like it's not that I wasn't paying attention. Uh, it like you, you made it too dense. Like, did you even realize what you were doing, Mister Vaughn? Um, Cliff Ch- uh, Chang uh, was the artist. Uh, Matt Wilson colors. Uh, great color palette. I mean, like uh, yellows, neons. But after the last issue, when they wrapped up and fixed the future and their minds were erased and now they come back to the 80s and they have a otter draw to each other because they all, in issue one, they all kind of met for the first time. The, most of the girls mm-hmm. knew each other already and there was a new girl, Paper Girl. That was, they're up in the morning delivering papers. It's Halloween. They've got some problems with some assholes in Halloween costumes and then some assholes from the fucking future show up and then shit just goes... Like it, it was. It's like untangling a shit, a ball of yarn. It, it was really hard, and I'm not saying it wasn't entertaining. It was still entertaining because it was. It still kept me up this this far, but it just ends on a odd sour note. Like they, one of them decides I'm not going to be a paper girl anymore, and they've got some echoes of what was erased from their mind of saving the future and the past, but. Like, uh, one of them is going to die from cancer, and she's smoking like a chimney, and they're back in the 80s, and the artwork was great. Just just some tough chicks being tough chicks in a time when being a tough chick was not okay, or really looked upon something that was actually a thing that you could even write about. So it was still fun. Mm. I would give this, if it was if I was doing a 1 out of 10, I'd give this a solid 6. It, it was consistent, at, at the very least. But you lose me in time travel, and then you give me a hint that one of your time-traveling versions is secretly hurting you around <laughs> now that everything is fixed. Bless you. And, uh, or cough you. Or what do you say when someone coughs? <laughs> no, that was sneezing, for real. And uh, then it ends, and it's done. And it, it was kind of an unceremonious ending. The way I feel like uh, Wicked and Divine is going to end up as, but not as good as Wicked and Divine. But the last one I had, I I wanted to read Rat Queens and I got halfway through it and I'm like this is not what it used to be. Um, Batman and Lewis, Justice League, the Rat Queens. Queens. Ah, Death Head. Death's Head. Number one. Uh, all right. I know it's one of those things. I feel like you should go get my. Uh, my uh, card collection out and read you his bio from uh, Marvel 3. See if I find that. Nah, I don't want to get up. <laughs> I remember. I know who Death Set is. Yeah, and he's the 18th version, and 
Let's see, we can pull up the credits first, and that's the last page. The artwork is great, by the way. Written by Tini Howard, drawn by Kay Zama, colored by Felipe Sobriero, lettered by VCs Travis Lanham, logo by Jay Bowen. Okay, cool. Well, now, yeah, sometimes you're good enough to make a killer logo. Uh, he's not. He does. <laughs> he does not have the fucking amazing demon head that he had from the early '90s, which I think they obviously made the conscious noise, choice to get away from. It's more of a robotic head. And Good he's idea. being really, really slow at delivering the assassinations that he is getting paid by Yondu, who's put a bounty, no. who's getting, who put a bounty on his head, and he's like, "Hey, why is there a fucking bounty on my head?" He's like, "Yeah, because every time you come back, you need another upgrade. You need a, you're broken oh, in yeah. some sense. And my other chicks here that are way more advanced than you aren't costing me as much." And Deathhead's freaked out and attacks him and then ends up uh, being dropped in the trash garbage of Yondu's ship in New York and wakes up a couple weeks later and uh, he's been refurbished into a amplifier for a heavy metal band and wakes up on stage and gets up and just starts murdering people. And uh, two of the uh, uh, and what this is where yeah it's like he just wakes up like who turned me into an amplifier and just starts executing things because he's he wakes up pissed. This is where you come in on this Wiccan and Hulkwing Young Avengers. Um yeah that's right Young Avengers their boyfriend and boyfriend in this and they just happen to be at the show wondering why uh, Hulkwing's like why do we have our backpacks just in case and you know Death's head activates and like yay bucket list we just happen to have our costumes and they they fuck up death's head and they take him back and will teleport him to their bathroom in their like soho fucking uh apartment and wiccan is staying up late and lied to hulkling that he's just gonna play video games and looks into every future to figure out why the hell this is happening and he sees several different versions of death head but what's the the real problem is is that both of them are yearning for the days when they were Avengers after uh, being scorned. And Death's Head wakes up and starts trying to shoot the place up. Not the mattress. They're using it as shielding for some reason, and they pull the mattress up, and the future version that uh, Wiccan saw of Death's Head is his body is in between the mattress and the... I don't know, the, the bed frame. And he looks super metaled out, like he's in a metal band, and his gun is actually an axe and a guitar <laughs> yeah. and a guitar. And Hulkling's like, what's going on? And Wiccan's I can explain. Ah, uh, I had fun. <laughs> That's all I can say about it. I had fun. The artwork was the artwork was fun. It wasn't talking heads. The action was great. It wasn't nonstop stupid action. Uh, it it flowed really well, great uh, expressionist expressionistic action uh, subtitles bang just in, in clips in the blood and you see the original Death's Head for like one second one of the possible futures and I can see why uh, the, I okay. could I can see why they'd want to get away from it that because it was so asinine nineties wasn't it. Exactly. It was just terrible. It's like, hey, let's do Sleepwalker and let's do 
Yeah. All of this extreme stuff. And so fucking it's extreme. It's silly. The Death's Head thing is very, very silly. I mean, I've read stuff recently that incorporated him in Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's not terrible, but... You know, Guardians is, oddly enough, a book that you're supposed to try to take seriously outside of the movie. Agreed. And, Movies, and so... Agreed. And if it was the 90s and you knew what you were doing, why would you make Death's Head as, a, as an odd, like, it's going to be some... He's a demon, but he's a robot, and he kills people, he's an assassin. Sounds so cool, right? Like... Like you're like pitching, no, just like you're trying anything to make it stick in the '90s. Yeah, like you're you're pitching a movie to that asshole that made Transformers, and it's not it's <laughs> it's not gonna work. If I was head of Marvel or in one of those writing rooms, I'm like, dude, get the fuck out of here. Uh, come back when you've got a good Beta Ray Bill story, because that's oh man, that's the meat. Yeah, that's the meat and potatoes there. This this fucking is stupid. This was fun. I had fun because I didn't know any better. Like when I was really in the corn. <laughs> when in, in, in the mid '90s, I didn't know any better, so I have an excuse. But this was still fun. It wasn't shit. Uh, I'm excited. I hope it does well, uh, as best as it can. But like, it, like it, what I really boiled down to was me thinking like, if it was '93, and yeah, dude, just get the fuck out of here. This is stupid. Like, go to Michael Bay and do this on some terrible cinematic format. We, we're we're wasting trees on this. Um, give me a good Beta Ray Bill story, and then we'll talk. Yeah. G- give me a better Ghost Rider story, or, um, hell, even, like, why didn't they do better Blade in the 90s? I mean, like, Blade got lucky from... Uh, Blade was good. Blade was, it was good, but there was, it was really sparse. It was really sparse. And then, then the movie came along, and then it became even better, and then that's when it really kicked off. I like the fact that they promoted Blade not as like a Black Power movie. <coughs> no, man, I appreciated that it was just, just hey, this is Blade. This is rad. This is what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Everything's got to have an agenda now. Yeah, you know? yeah. You, you can have Blade. Blade's a movie. Yes. Blade take. Yeah, Blade. Blade's a black superhero. But he was he has organically he's written that way. Organically exactly. written that way. It wasn't like we need a black superhero stat. No, it was some dude coming up like, I got a kick-ass idea about this black badass that's half vampire and he's going to fucking kill everyone. Really? That sounds awesome. I'm Not- frankly kind of amazed Luke Cage hasn't been forced into the MCU at this point. Oh, wait, sorry, he was. It was the TV series. Uh, I didn't but watch it. But that doesn't, that just doesn't count. Didn't watch it. Didn't watch yeah. it. That's all I got, man. Um Yeah. Jesus, oh, 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 there was like some like movie rumors. Oh, uh, I cannot wait this week. Uh, Batman's Hush gets released uh, tomorrow, actually, um, on, at the Redbox. Um, so y'all listen to this on Wednesday. Uh, go to the Redbox and get Batman's Hush, because I know that DC's movies really aren't the best because they're trying to make Marvel movies out of DC property. And it doesn't translate, but the cartoons are always money and fucking killer, and I cannot wait for Hush. And if you've got a problem with that, reference uh, Batman Year One, where it's all about Gordon, voiced by Brian Cranston, or uh, The Killing Joke, or even all, literally all of the Green Lantern co- cartoons they've done are phenomenal. Flashpoint was killer. Um, Hush, can't fucking wait. Because I knew they're gonna do it right, and if you still got a problem, then watch Mask of the Phantasm and shut the fuck up. Oh, dude, Mask of the Phantasm was awesome. Yep, 
So, yeah, uh, my buddy Jonathan and I, we're, we're actually going to have a, a nerd date sometime this week or next to watch Hush together, because we're so fucking pumped to watch that. Um, oh, and I uh, finally watched Shazam. Haven't had that much fun watching a uh, comic book movie since Kick-Ass. Cool. Cool. But that's all I got, man. Brother, you got anything to wind us down? You got anything to look forward to this week? Um, I don't know. I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna go work on a movie tomorrow instead of my typical job, and uh, we'll see how that goes. And what else? <laughs> doing doing a Reed Drummond thing. You guys can figure out who she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, then we're just gonna get back to work. I don't know. I'm uh, enjoying Netflix. I think I'm paying too much for uh, the internet. That's pissing me off. It just shouldn't cost this much. If I if, it's, if I'm paying this much for the internet, I I had to have phones. I had to have every television station. I had to have five movie channels. I had to have a holographic Marilyn Monroe hanging out in my house with me. That's how much I seem to be paying for for uh, uh, internet at this point. It's unbelievable. I got that bill. I'm like fuck you guys. This is stupid. I don't need this much internet. I just need to be able to talk to you clearly. Yep. And I need to be able to watch Deep Space Nine and some other stuff on Netflix and whatever else for that matter. Shit, I'm happy watching shit on my phone even. Like, sometimes I'm too lazy to turn on. Like, I get so tired, come home after working Mm -hmm. like a 13-hour day, and I'm not even going to turn on my four. I'm just going to fucking pull it up on my phone and make sure it's plugged in and my alarm's on and it's running off my fucking... (laughs) The amount I pay for my phone. Oh, for real. Yeah. But I'll have that paid off in a couple of months, so yeah. I'm happy. But uh, no, for real, that's it. I gotta, I gotta get up. I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta get up. I gotta go too, man. I gotta get up early. I gotta, sh- I gotta get laundry done in the morning. I gotta, yeah, all other crazy laundry. Shit. Laundry. Oh yeah. Does anybody else have laundry to do? Send us an email. Tell us all about it. Yeah, I know, uh, right? <laughs> you guys write in so yeah. so often. We want to hear everything and. Uh, I really want you to just hate on us because that's the fun stuff to respond to. <laughs> oh yeah, let's get antagonized. Yeah. Uh, hey, he's gonna want to say uh, say hi to all of our buddies out at uh, all of my buddies that are out or were out at the uh, Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. We have to get out there and do that again sometime. Lawrence and uh, Martin and Willie in particular, uh, old buddies of mine from way back, and um, yeah, no, that's it. That's it. That's the end. It's the end. This is dangerous. Over this is now. dangerous. Dangerously me going to bed now. <laughs> Love you, brother. Good night.